praise the Lord for what's going on at Christ's legacy. Something special is going on at Christ's legacy. Amen. Amen. And, and I, I got to let you know, I, I get a little nervous about it. I, I mean, honestly, you know, the Lord has stirred on my heart, called, put a calling on my life to, to be a pastor and, and, and to address, you know, hundreds of people each, each week. But the Lord never removed uh, anxiety about public speaking. <laughs> that's, that's the tough one. <laughs> And, and so every Sunday or every Wednesday, right before I, I, I speak, I have to pray. I have to ask the Lord to help my heart because I still have anxiety about coming out, stepping out on stage and beginning, beginning to speak. Sometimes my mouth doesn't work very well. It just, it's just, it takes a lot and, and I get scared. So, so the idea of standing in front of everybody, ugh. So I, I have this little trick whenever I, I, I go through these anxieties. I mean, not just public speaking, not just preaching, but um, even whenever I think about little anxieties too, like, um, you know, um, who's going to win tonight, Cowboys or Giants? It's, it's an anxiety I have, right? Or, or um, you know, what does that little light on my dash mean, you know? And maybe if I just turn it off and turn it back on, it'll magically disappear, right? All these little things that we go through that cause us anxieties, I, I have this little trick, okay? I, I just think about, like, just after the situation or circumstance, right? I think about the small things. Like, um, for instance, already today I've thought about, what am I going to eat after service, right? Because just thinking about those little things reminds me that there's something beyond this, like my life is not going to end right now because sometimes it feels like my life is going to end whenever I stand on the stage. Um, or or, or um, I, I think about uh, whenever I get anxious about the game, I think about what kind of snacks I'm going to eat while I'm, you know, watching the game. Or, or whenever I see the light come on my dash, I think about, oh, I'll just pull through a drive-thru and grab a bite to eat. And I'm just realizing this, but uh, I guess I, I eat when I'm nervous. <laughs> And I'm nervous a lot. <laughs> but see, what I realize about that little trick that I do is that anxiety is a problem with not being able to see a good outcome in a circumstance. It's, it's blind to maybe seeing a positive outcome in a circumstance. And so... So hope is the opposite of anxiety because hope allows us to, to see through the circumstance and have a positive future ahead of us. See, there's these small anxieties I struggle with, but, but there's a bigger anxiety. There's lots of them out there. As a matter of fact, one of the biggest anxieties of my life I went through just a few years ago during covid I remember it so distinctly, you know, that we didn't know very much about COVID whenever it was coming, did we? 
It was just this big, scary uh, sickness on its way over here. And, and we, we knew that many, many people were having trouble. And it's not that pandemics never happened before, but it's because it's that, it's that we never have seen it up close and personal like we did when we have cameras and, and internet and reports coming throughout the world. And so the, for the first time ever, the entire world shut down. It caused us to look, and anxiety grew and grew. I remember whenever um, COVID hit Oklahoma, I remember it so clearly because it was, um, it, it was during spring break with the students. Me and uh, other uh, coaches uh, took a whole group of, of students out to spring break retreat, and we had an amazing time. One of the highlights of my year every year is spring break retreat. And as I, uh, we played games, we had activities, and we were staying in uh, these dorms, and, and all of a sudden I, I found out uh, on my phone that Oklahoma had declared a state of emergency. Before we left, I just knew that th there was this thing, but I didn't know any of the details. And while I was there, it hit, and all of a sudden it's anything everybody was talking about. And so I gathered the adults with me, the coaches, and I, we talked about it. We made a decision together to come home a little early. We came home, and then we just pushed pause on life for a couple of years. And, and I struggled with this because I saw students with depression and anxiety. I saw Parents of people everywhere not trusting their neighbors. They wanted to engage, but they didn't want to hurt anybody with their presence. And so they, it was like everybody was locked up. We, we never wanted to hurt anybody, but, but at the same time, we craved, we wanted to be together. So we made a difficult decision to, to do church online. And that was, man, that was a tough thing for us to close our doors and, and to hope and pray that we could still minister to you. And although during that time, anxieties were so high because we couldn't see the world in a future that was brighter than the one that we had just come through, our hope didn't fail us because our hope wasn't found in anything but Christ Jesus. Because of Christ, it didn't matter what the circumstances were because we could see beyond the circumstance into a better future and a brighter hope. And when we began to see beyond that, our hope was secure. And I want to tell you this morning, that although I don't know what's going to happen, I don't know what the future holds, my hope is going to stay in Christ. And this church, by the way, will never shut down because of COVID again. Amen. Amen. I, I am so... I'm so frustrated with an enemy that would come against us with anxieties, but the truth of the matter is, is that there, there's a lot of reasons why we have anxieties. See, life is filled with anxiety. Situation and circumstance can create anxiety. The devil can bring anxiety to us and cause us to, to think and focus in on problems and circumstances. And if we're going to be honest with each other, then we just 
we're pretty good at bringing on anxiety too. You know, uh, through things that we do, sometimes I think we give the devil too much credit because we, we, we mess up on our own pretty good. <laughs> and, and we get so focused in on what, what is going on in and around us that it begins to be difficult to see a better and a brighter future it, because anxiety limits that, that positive outcome, that, the ability to see a brighter future. See, we can deal with different anxieties through our lives. And I could tell you all different ways that we could learn how to cope with anxiety, but today I want to focus in on something completely different. I want us to understand we can short circuit anxiety before it even comes to us by hope that reminds us that we have a good future in Christ Jesus. So when we face anxiety, no matter the situation and circumstance, we place our hope in Jesus. So this morning, would you turn with me to Psalm chapter 62? And if you're following with us in a Bible app, all you have to do is click on your Bible app and go to events. And then if you have your location services, click on Christ's legacy. And there you can find all of the notes along with uh, uh, that you can read with today. Also, the discussion questions that go along with today's service. So if you're participating in a legacy life tonight, you can know what your, some of your discussion questions could be. And I'm, I'm so glad that, that we have a hope in Jesus. And I'm so glad that um, as we begin to discuss this, we can look at figures in the Bible that that show us exactly what life is really like. You see, the Bible doesn't just paint a, a, a rose picture over all of the, uh, the people of God. You see, it gives us the reality of their circumstance. And we can, we can see people like the life of David and understand that David, man, he, he's just one of the most amazing figures to discuss in the Bible because we see him as a, as a child and we see him called and anointed as king. And then we see uh, him deal with um, uh, Goliath. We see uh, him uh, 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 crowned as king. We see his uh, wins. We see his losses. We see everything. And somewhere within that mix... It's not just historical. We actually see what was going on in his heart during those situations. How do we do that? Because David was a writer. He was a songwriter. He was a musician. He loved the Lord and he expressed himself unashamed before the Lord. And so we get this beautiful glimpse, not just of the history in his life, but what was going on inside of him. And that's what, what we see in, in Psalm chapter 62. See, we're, we're not exactly sure which problem David was experiencing or, or with whom, but we know that David went through a lot of problems. So as a king, he's sitting there and he's dealing with some people that are really nice, according to verse three and four, really nice to his face. Have friendship, extend the right hand of friendship, shake his hand, say all kinds of flattering things. And then whenever... Whenever he turns around, they're ready to stab him in the back. Anybody ever? No, I'm not going to ask you that, but think about that. Anybody ever know somebody that is going to be nice to your face and then is ready to stab you in the back? And then you can't, 
You can't feel like everything is okay. You, you, you almost don't want to turn around because you, you can't trust him. And David's going through this moment and these high-powered people are not there just to run him down with their words, but they're there to try to kill him, to try to take his, take his place. And that's where we get to in Psalm chapter 62, starting in verse 5. David says, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will not be shaken. See, there's that word again, all. Let all that I am wait quietly. And you know, when we study it in the Hebrew, like I did, as it turns out, it means all. And some of us, in our interpretation, it means most of what I am is going to wait quietly before the Lord while I really turn around and try to figure this thing out on my own. See, we're, we're pretty good at that, right? As a people, we want to we wanna come before the Lord. We want to take our problems, our situation. We want to take our complaint before the Lord. God, look at what they're doing to me. Look at what they're saying to me. Look what's going on in my life. All the things that you can feel anxious about, and you give it to the Lord, and then you try to quiet your soul, but some of you can't quiet your soul. Anybody here have a hard time quieting your soul? I want to tell you, I do. Because if I'm going to be honest with myself, whenever I sit there and pray and I try to quiet my soul, all I can focus on is the problem or the situation, the circumstance. But here David has made it a point that he said, I'm, everything about me is going to be quiet before the Lord. Why? David, why can you say that? How can you quiet everything about you in the midst of everything that's going on in your life? He answers the question because for my hope is in him. My hope is in him. See, David's hope was not in being a better king, being a better commander, being smarter, being tougher, never turning his back on his enemies, having the best people around him. David's hope was in the Lord. He alone is my rock, my salvation. See, some people, God is one of the things that they depend on. God is one of the reasons that they can stay committed. God is one of the reasons that their family's still together. God is one of the reasons they don't have to worry, but they also have a 401k. God is one of the reasons that things are okay, but they also have a wife or a husband that loves them. And we put all these things in that statement, in parentheses, God and everything else. But can I tell you something this morning? That at some point, someone's going to disappoint you. Something's going to let you down. See, being able to quiet who we are is not something, uh, a skill that we pick up when we come to the Lord and we ask him to come into our heart and be the Lord of our life. It's a spiritual discipline that takes practice to come to the Lord and say, you know what? 
God, even though there's so much going on, even though there's so much in my life that is messed up, I'm going to force myself to be quiet before you because you're my hope. It's a discipline. And I want to say, say it a little bit different. The more peace you have in the problems, it's directly related to the amount of trust that you have in Jesus. See, the more we trust in Jesus, the more we can hope for something better. But how do we trust Jesus? How do we trust Jesus? Well, Psalm chapter 146, verse 3 through 5 tells us, Do not put your confidence or trust in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth, and all their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. See, the psalmist here tells us not to put our hope and our trust in anybody. Because no matter how smart they were, no matter how great they were, no matter how things you felt like turned out in their life, at the end of their life, they're going to be planted in the ground just like you are. And it's all over for them. And if their life really, really, really was good, then they put their hope and their trust in God, not in themselves. So we are called to put our hope, our confidence in Christ alone. See, somebody's going to disappoint you if you put your hope and confidence and trust in them. The, the other day, um, I, I'm, I'm at this restaurant with my family. It's a Mexican restaurant. I love Mexican food. And, and our, our food came out and, and um, everything was good. It was so hot. Everything was fresh. It was just, it was going to be a great meal. And my son, who is eating like a horse right now, Johnny, he looks over at my wife's plate and there's this sliced jalapeno sitting on, on, uh, on uh, one of her items on her plate. And not one of these pickled jalapenos either. It's just jalapeno slice. And my son looks at it, and his mouth starts watering, and he says, Mom, can I have that? And, and I said, Son, stop. This is not a pickled jalapeno. This is a, just a sliced jalapeno. It's going to hit you different. I think you ought to go ahead and eat, and if you're still hungry after that, then you try it, but, but not right now. And he looks at Mom, and he says, Please, please. Now, Claudia, my wife, she, she loves hot food. Nothing's hot to her. She said, fine, eat it. What does dad know? That boy popped that jalapeno in his mouth, chewed it up, and he's like, mmm, good. And you could see his demeanor just slowly change. He didn't want me to know that he was hurting. But you could see color in his face. His face started getting red. He started having little sweat beads on his nose. I mean, we're talking hot. He started looking around. He grabbed his drink. I said, Johnny, are you, is it pretty hot? He said, no, just, just thirsty. Started drinking that water. He drank all his water. 
He started looking at my water. He said, Dad, can I have it? I said, ask your mom. <laughs> See, folks, I want to sh- tell us this morning that even your own mama's going to let you down from time to time. <laughs> it happens. But Jesus will never let us experience the kind of heat my wife will. Now, I need to get off of that. He'll never let us down. So you can put your hope and confidence in him. You can place everything on him because he cares for you. Some of you are, have this thing inside of you that doesn't want to trust anymore because you've been hurt so badly in the past. You know, the Lord knows that you've been hurt. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're going through. He knows that hold up in your heart, that, that feeling that, that you want to, but you just can't. I don't have this in my notes, but I feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking to me right now. And the, the Spirit is saying that you, in this moment, need to allow the Lord to heal you of that hurt and that pain that you're dealing with. You need to open your heart and, and allow the Lord to deal with the hurt and the pain, and then you can learn to trust. I don't know, that's going to somebody. Mm. So number two, so what is our hope? What exactly is the, our hope? Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 6, verse 18b through 19 tells us, Therefore, we who have fled to Jesus for refu- refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the, the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. See, the writer of Hebrews tells us that whoever trusts in Jesus with their lives can have confidence in the future ahead of us. Now, he has just been talking about uh, the future as, um, it's not just talking about the future as in tomorrow or, or confidence in the next week or next year or the next quarter or the next fiscal year. It's a confidence in what's coming after this life. A confidence that, that no matter what life has in store, there is a brighter future and you can lean into it because I want to tell you something that I am going to heaven. I am going to be with my Lord and Savior. It's not just some kind of flimsy hope and dream that says, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to be all right. And, you know, I'm going to try to make it myself through this world. But at the end, if I'm really good person, then I'm going to be in heaven. No, the idea, the thought of going to heaven brings me hope on a daily basis. The, the kind of hope that, that means that, that I don't have to worry about the current situation because the current situation is, a what, is not what defines my outlook on life. The writer of Hebrews calls that hope an anchor of the soul. You've seen these anchors on these big cruise ships. They're huge, they're massive. And even in a hurricane, these ships can drop an anchor and as it skids along the bottom of the ground, 
uh, a bottom of the ocean, it buries itself and it locks the ship in place so that there's not one thing that can happen to that ship to be, even though it's being tossed about, it stays right where it needs to be. But the difference of our hope that is in Christ Jesus is that that anchor doesn't go down into the stuff of this world. It's not rooted into your family. It's not rooted into your finances. It's not rooted into, into anything that could try to bring you a sense of security. Instead, it goes up and it's cast into heaven and it's locked away where God is, where Jesus made a way for us so that you and I, no matter what the storms of this life bring us, can be locked, can be rooted, can be sure that we're going to heaven and that we're going to make it. See, we also have a great hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, first the believers who have died will rise from the, their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive will remain on earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now listen to this. Then we will be with the Lord forever. In verse 18, so encourage each other with these words. I need somebody to understand today that it's not just our hope that Jesus is coming back. It's our great hope. It's our blessed hope. And that one day when the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ will raise, that we that are still alive will be caught up in the air to be with him in glory. Somebody say amen to that. I, I need you to know that this is not just some kind of delightful tale, some kind of fairy tale, some kind of story, some kind of childhood dream. This is the reality of our faith. That we're not just here in the moment dealing with our troubles, but we have something to look forward to. And that's the very thing that the Bible tells us that we should encourage each other often about. That fact, that principle, that idea that Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. Yes. And when we encourage others about it, when we encourage ourselves about it, then that takes us, our eyes off the problem and situation and circumstance of today, here and now, and it places our, our hope in a future. See, we have hope in him. Christians shouldn't be the most anxious people in town. There are people filled with joy and enthusiasm and hope because of the future, the hope that we have in Christ. One day we're going to see Jesus face to face and our life is better because of it. It doesn't matter what comes at us. It doesn't matter if we die. It doesn't matter if we live. We have Christ. That's what Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 says. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. What kind of crazy thing is that to say? But I want to tell you something this morning. That when we love Jesus with all of our hearts... When we serve him, that's the kind of life that I want. 
That's the kind of life that I want for my children and my family. It's a blessed life. It's a life filled with joy. Despite the pain and the circumstances and the stress, the anxieties, it's a life that I want. But whenever I think about death, I get excited. Not because I want to die, because I want to live. I want to live. I want to live. So how do we give hope? Of course, we're supposed to remind people. Of course, we're supposed to tell people of the, of the soon coming king. Of course, we're supposed to tell each other, and remind each other, but there's something more. See, it's not just that, it's not just that, that Christians are, are, are to have hope. It's that we're supposed to give hope. Our church should be a hope giver in this community. But how do we do that? Because this community is lost and it's dying and they need Jesus. So we can't just go around and, and say, God bless you. We can't just say, have a nice day. We can't just commit to smiling more. Because that doesn't give anybody hope. It makes you look weird. <laughs> I'm not saying don't look weird. We're a peculiar people, people, but we have to understand that people need to know why we are weird. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, right? They're like, Pastor John, we know why you're weird. <laughs> no, you don't. But I'm going to tell you. I'm weird because I have the hope of Christ in me. You're weird. You're peculiar. You're different because there's hope inside of you. And the people out there, the people that don't have hope, the people that are hurting, they're lost and they're dying. They're looking at you and they're wondering what's so different about you and saying, God bless you and saying, have a nice day and smiling bigger doesn't help them. You know what helps them? Telling them that Jesus loves them and that Jesus can do something in their life if they would only let him. If they would just come to him, believe in him and repent of their sins, they too can be saved. They can have a hope and an eternal glory that nobody and nothing can take away. The same hope that you and I have. So today... How do we give hope? Our hope is in Christ. And if you're here at Christ's legacy, your purpose, that second purpose statement is to give hope. We give hope by four things. Number one, telling people about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Telling people about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Folks, that's the gospel. That's the good news of God's word. That's the good news that you and I have. When's the last time that you witnessed to somebody? When's the last time that you told somebody about God's, uh, God's gift to man in Jesus? When's the last time that you told somebody about how wonderful Jesus was? About his life? When's the last time that you told somebody that Jesus died for them? Died for every mistake, every sin, every shame, every guilt, every situation that, that keeps them up at night feeling regret. 
When's the last time you told them that? When's the last time that you told them that they didn't have to live with those regrets anymore? Because Jesus, he didn't stay dead. He rose again. You you know why we meet on Sunday and have church on Sunday? Sunday's not Sabbath, that's Saturday. We have church on Sunday because it's a recognition and a celebration of a resurrected Savior and soon coming King. We have hope because we're going to be resurrected like that. But we need to know that. We need to believe it. We need to look forward to it as a people of God. That God is doing something real because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Number two, tell people about Jesus and what he's personally done for you. See, be one thing if it just happened in the Bible. We can debate about the Bible. You can have your opinion. I can have my opinion. But you can't tell me that God didn't touch my life. You can't tell me that God didn't take away my sin and my shame. You can't tell me that that God has not touched my babies and healed them sometimes. You can't tell me that God hasn't done miracles and many wonderful works in my life. I'm here to testify somebody today. I wonder when was the last time that you testified about what God has done in your life? How are you a soul winner? Tell somebody what Jesus did for you. Watch things change in their life. Number three, showing people genuine love through service. Genuine love through service. Not self-serving love like I'm going to do this for me and then you can be a part of it. No. Oh man, I feel a prayer. Lord, I pray God that you would just put something in our hands, Lord. Lord, the strength in our hands, Lord, and the opportunities in front of us, Lord, so that we could actually serve people out of a selfless love for others. Oh, Jesus, do it in us. See, congregation, I want to tell you something. That God wants to move in his people, but he expects us, he obligates us to be his hands and feet. That doesn't mean just telling other people about the gospel. It doesn't mean just telling people about what Jesus has done. It means actually being Jesus to somebody and serving them. When's the last time that you served others? And then whenever somebody asked you about it, you didn't just accept a compliment, did you? Oh, well, hey, you're welcome. It's whatever I can do. No, 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 no. Don't miss the opportunity when you serve somebody. You look them square in the eyes and say, Jesus loves you and so do I. And that's why I did it. Don't miss the opportunity to witness to somebody in, in serving. And number four, how do we give hope? By inviting people to be a part of our church family. Now, why in the world would that give you hope? Because whenever you look around to your next door neighbor, no, I'm just joking. (laughs) Some people are like looking. See, there's something special about a church family. Something different. When you look around, you realize something. That, That being a part of a family means something interesting. 
that no matter who you talk to in this church, you're gonna be loved. No matter what situation and circumstance you're going through, you're gonna be welcomed and loved. Whenever you say hi, I feel it and I receive it in love. Whenever I say hi, I want you to feel it and receive it in love. When you come over to my house, you're gonna be greeted in love. Whenever I go to your house, you know, food, but you know, whatever. It's a family. And God has given us each other so that we could encourage one another and support each other and love one another. And we give hope through that. You take away that, that family and, and we, lose, we lose that connectivity that we're supposed to have with each other. It's a God's, God-given thing that we have in this church. Don't deprive somebody from that. Offer it to them. It's a free... It's a free gift of God that's coming into our church, participating and being one of us. And maybe, just maybe, they'll get a chance to give their heart and life over the Lord. I say maybe because they will. <laughs> they'll get that chance if you're willing to give it to them. So this morning, there are many people here, but you fall into one of two categories. One or two categories only. See, there are people that have hope and there are people that do not have hope. How do you know? How do you know if you have the genuine hope of God? Does anxiety rule your life right now? Are you worried? Do you get sick thinking about something? See, that's not what God has called us to live. God has called us to live in the confident hope that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yes, there's problems, but we quiet our souls so that we can trust in Him and watch Him do what He needs to do. The problem is, is that you can come to church all your life. You can sit on the pew, pew you can say amen, you can, you can praise, you can clap your hands, all that stuff, but anxiety can still rob you of the hope and the joy that Christ has for you. So how do you know? Because I'll tell you what, you can go to a buffet and you can starve to death if you don't pick up a fork. How many know I'm hungry this morning? What's, what's going on? We have hope in him. We have hope in him. So I want to ask you, pick up the fork this morning. Would you stand with me all over this place? Jesus makes the difference in your anxieties and your situations and your circumstances. So the real question here is, do you have hope? I'm not talking about hope in a family. I'm not talking about hope in, in things. I'm talking about hope in Jesus. Perhaps you're here and you've heard this message and maybe you've even responded to the message of Christ Jesus before, but for some reason you gravitate towards those issues in your life that draw your attention from there to here. And you can't see beyond that circumstance. You can't see a hopeful future because of the worry in your heart. You need to respond to Jesus this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, giving people an opportunity. Heavenly Father, I ask, Lord, to allow the Holy Spirit to move from here to there and back again and move on the hearts and lives of people. Lord, identify those, Lord Jesus, that are struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression, struggling, Lord, with fear. 
And I pray, God, that you draw them to you right now. With your head still bowed and eyes still closed, would you raise your hand this morning if you say, Pastor John, I'm struggling, but I want to put my hope and my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, I'm looking all around. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, thank you. Thank you, wow. Wow, so many people, so many people. I, I want to stop right this second here, and I want to ask you this, this morning. I want to be a church that commits to giving hope. So these altars are a place where we are altered. I want to ask you this morning, if you raise your hand just now, or if you have decided that you're going to commit yourself to becoming a hope giver here at Christ's Legacy, would you step out from all over where you're seated and come down here? So many hands were raised. So many hands were raised. Would you come now? Go ahead and step out right now. We're going to conclude our prayer or our service right here in the altar by taking that commitment on. Would you step out right now all over this place? Don't, don't wait. Don't watch other people. Don't wait for them to move. You go ahead and move. You go ahead and step out. Let's commit ourselves to loving and trusting and hoping in God this morning. Heavenly Father, oh God, I thank you, Jesus, for those that are responding to this message, Lord Jesus. Lord, that you'd wipe every anxiety, every fear away out of their hearts and their minds, Lord Jesus. Lord, not simply because you changed their circumstance, but Lord, because you change the direction of their gaze. Lord, no longer do they look, Lord, at the problems and the situations in their life, but instead they look straight into the face of Jesus. Lord, where their hope is secure. So, Father, I pray, God, that you'd move on our hearts and our lives this morning. And, Lord, this morning, as there are many in this place, Lord, that call Christ's legacy their home. I pray, God, that you would allow us to commit ourselves to giving hope to every life that we come in contact with. Lord, that, that our church would be responsible to be a hope dealer in our community. And because of our willingness, Lord, I pray that many hearts and lives would come to a saving knowledge of who you are. What would happen at our church if every one of us decided that we were going to have hope in our hearts and our lives and we're going to share that hope with somebody else? I believe that not only would our families be changed, but our community would be changed. I, I think that your work environment would change. I, I think that I think that your situation circumstance may begin to change. Not because God is moving pieces around and doing things on the outside, but because he's doing something different on the inside. See, God didn't come to to change political situations and circumstances. He didn't come to put people um, uh, to, 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 to fix departments and programs. He came to change hearts and lives. It's the individuals that need to be changed. How do we put this country back together? It's not more rules. 
That's more relationship. It's more of Jesus. It's people like you and me reaching out to people like you and me used to be and loving them. And then, maybe just then, the kingdom of God will be realized at this church. Heavenly Father, I commit myself, and on behalf of Christ's legacy, I commit us, Lord, to being soul winners, to being hope dealers in our community. Lord, that you would receive the glory and your kingdom would grow. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's go give hope to our community.